you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Well, good morning. City on a Hill. My name's, uh, for those that don't know me, my name is uh, Peter, uh, and if we, we don't know each other, I'd love to catch up with you after the service uh, over a cup of tea or and a biscuit. Uh, it's great to be here this morning. Now, last year, I was in uh, a Zoom meeting, and the room that I was in started to shake, and I could see on Zoom, my colleague's room that I was in the meeting with, books flying off the shelf. Their rooms were shaking as well. And one of my colleagues yelled out from the computer screen, quick, grab your family, get out of your house straight away. This is an earthquake. So I burst into the lounge and and I yelled at my kids, get out of the house. There's an earthquake. I said, where's mum? And they said, she's in the shower. So I busted into the shower. I said, Emma, get out of the shower. There's an earthquake. And she said, what are you talking about? Uh, she didn't get out of the shower, but I said, Emma, there's, a sh- there's an earthquake. Get out of the shower. She looked at me strangely and then continued to wash her hair. I went around and inspected the house for cracks, and really it was a bit of a non-event. We weren't far. We, we were quite far away from the, the um, earthquake that happened in, in Melbourne in Victoria last year. Earthquakes... Uh, come unexpectedly, they aren't unpredictable, yet they have the potential to knock houses down. They have potential to shake up lives. I was pretty shaken up from this little scare. And you might ask, why am I talking about earthquakes? Well, I'm 45 years old, and the world that I grew up in 
was quite predictable. And it was, felt safe. It felt secure during the 80s and 90s. But it seems like now the world, in some way, it's changed. We live in a different time. There's, there's been this global upheaval over the last couple of years. People's lives have been shaken up. We have lots of questions about COVID and about the economy and about war. There's been great division and dislocation. We've been displaced. Relationships have been affected. And all of this has taken a bit of a toll. We've all been shaken up in some way. Now, in today's passage, or in in this book, the Apostle Peter, he's writing to believers that they've been displaced from persecution. They've been stripped of their earthly comforts. They're enduring undeserved suffering and persecution at the hands of the Roman Empire. And they probably felt their foundations were a bit shaky. They were tempted to return to their pagan lifestyle that they knew before. That was less offensive to their neighbors. Do we have any things in common with them? Well, I think we do. We live in a different context and time, but our foundations have been shaken up, maybe in a different way. I think the Holy Spirit gave Peter these words to encourage them and to encourage us today. It's written to believers. This is a letter to believers that we can, to to give us encouragement, that we can actually embrace hope during difficult and hard times. So there's, there's two themes which emerge that come out of the scripture today, which I want us to be mindful of, which I'll sort of come back to now and again, just to remind you of. Theme one is knowing who God is and what he is doing. Theme two, knowing who we are in God's eyes. They're two important themes which I hope will give us a firm foundation in the strange and uncertain times that we live in. So let me pray before we do. Dear gracious God, we thank you that you've gathered us here today. I thank you for, Lord, your precious people. I pray, Lord, the words I speak, Lord, would be uh, inspired by your Holy Spirit, that it would all direct our hearts to Jesus, that we would be encouraged, that we would be challenged, that we would be convicted. Help us, Lord, they to grow, Lord, more like him. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So first thing I want to talk about is how does Peter describe God? Who is God? Well, Peter, Peter uses all these building metaphors. He refers to Jesus as a living stone. He refers to him as a rejected stone, a precious cornerstone, and a stumbling block. So stones and buildings are embedded deep into the psyche of the Old Testament believers. It's right through the Old Testament. So what Peter's doing is reaching back from the Old Testament and applying this imagery of stones and metaf- uh, to, to Jesus. So let's explore a little bit of how the Old Testament uh, uses this metaphor. Firstly, I want to go to the book of Daniel. So Daniel was a Jew in exile in Babylon, and he had, he had the gift of, of interpreting dreams. And he's interpreting the dream of the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And he says this. He says, You saw, O king, a great image. And its appearance was frightening. The head of the image was fine gold, its chest 
and arms were silver, its middle and thighs were of bronze, its legs were of iron, and its feet partly of iron and clay. Then he says this, Then a stone was cut out of a mountain, not made with hands, and the stone struck the image and broke it to pieces. The interpretation, O king, is this, The precious metals are all kingdoms, and you are the, and you are the head made of fine gold. However, the stone... The stone is the coming kingdom of God, and it shall stand forever, and of its increase there shall be no end. So according to Daniel, this image of a stone represents an eternal, powerful, sovereign kingdom of God that rules over all the kingdoms of the earth. It's a great way to think of this imagery of stones during this time that we live in. The stone represents a king in God's kingdom. Peter, in this passage, he quotes Isaiah and he uses an image of a cornerstone. What's a cornerstone? You may well know. It's a stone that lies at the corner of two walls. It unites the walls. It it is the foundation of those walls. It's actually the, the, the nominal starting point for the building for which the builders will build the rest of the building to get all their angles correct. So Peter says Jesus is a cornerstone, and Jesus actually asked Peter, he says this, Peter, who do you say that I am? In the Gospels, a very famous passage. And Peter says this, you are the Christ, you're the Son of the living God, to which Jesus responded, you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. So the revelation that Peter had of Jesus as the divine son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, who lived, who was crucified, who was resurrected, and who ascended, that's the cornerstone. That's the foundation of the church. On that foundation, the early church exploded across the world under the Roman Empire, under under persecution. And it's the reason the church keeps exploding today with rapid fire. It's the foundation for which we gather here today on that cornerstone. And as Christians, Jesus is the one who which we measure our lives by. He gives us the direction to which we make decisions and the, and the way and the direction we, we walk. So, so far, who is God? Well, he's the king and his king rules over all and he is the foundation of the church on our lives. Peter also tells us that this stone is chosen and precious. That's verse 4 and 6. He's chosen, he's precious. Jesus Christ did not become this chief cornerstone by accident. It's been planned by God the Father from eternity past. The plan of God that Jesus would come to earth to redeem and rescue a people for himself, the church. And so Jesus is chosen, but he's precious. He is God's only begotten son. He's precious and he's chosen. Peter also describes Jesus as the living stone. The living stone. And I want to spend a little bit more time unpacking what that means for us today. Now, the word living in the original language uh, is the same word that Jesus referred to as he described himself in the Gospels, this word living. He, he described himself, Jesus said, I am, the, I am living bread. 
which comes down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. So the living stone is the one who gives us eternal life. He gives us eternal life. We'll live forever. And I think sometimes we act as if that we look over the horizon somewhere and eternal life is out there. We're on this journey and we're, we're headed for it. And in, in some way, that's true. There's a truth to that. That's what we're, what we're aiming for. That's what we're, as Christians, we're walking towards that time when we will be, when we will be with God forever. But in, a, in another way, I think eternal life is now. It's in the present. What if we were to think of eternal life in that way? What, is, what does that sort of look like? It's out there, but it's also now in the world that we live in. Well, I think it would look like this. Jesus, again, he referred to himself as living water when he spoke to the Samaritan woman. Who This woman was an outcast. She was at the lowest point in her life. And when she comes into contact with Jesus, there's this amazing healing in her soul, in her spirit. This woman had been lived a life uh, uh, probably abused, probably hurt, and, she, and she's just doing her best to survive in the world. And when she comes into contact with Jesus, there's a, a life, an impartation of life that transforms her, that restores her. And if you, read, if you go through the Gospels you, and you read the ministry of Jesus, he does this time and time again with, with people. People that come in contact with Jesus, there's like an infusion of life. Think about the demon-possessed man who was under the control of darkness and evil. He came into contact with Jesus, and there was a, a transference of life. Jesus restores him psychologically, spiritually. He, he's in his right mind. He's got clothes on. Everyone, well, so many people had this type of interaction with Jesus. I was um, on my way to work the other morning, and I, I stopped past the newsagent. And I, this, I was walking past, and there was a big poster, uh, almost the size of me, with a, a young woman jumping about five feet into the air with a lotto ticket in her hand. And she had a big smile on her face like this. And the logo was on the poster was, get this life. Get this life. And I was like, oh, wow, that looks... That's, that, I want that life. Like it, it's, it's one of those um, posters that, that puts a picture of, of a life that we should aim to. It's a life that so many people are attracted to and that chase after. It's a life that the world invites us to, the, the, the life of uh, materialism and, and the acquisition of things and stuff and uh, uh, our best life now, all the comforts that we should have in this life. That's the, the life that... The world invites us to. But in today's passage, Peter actually offers us a picture of a different life. Different picture of, of how God really wants to see us and, and who we are in him. Peter says this. He says, when we come to Jesus, when we come to this living stone, we also become living stones. When we come to Jesus, this living stone, we become a living stone. We were once dead stones. But when we come to Jesus, we receive his life. 
we become living. Yes, eternal life. But let's also think of life in the present. Uh, It's a life that's connected to God. Peter goes on in his his second letter. So it's one Peter and it's two Peter. And in his second letter, he talks about, he says that we become partakers. We we, We participate in the nature of God, in, the, in a divine life. In some mysterious way, there's an infusion. There's a, a, a uniting of our life to God's. It's, a, it's an amazing and mysterious thought, what that actually means. But think, let's think about it. If we are connected to the, the life which is in God, we've got to think, what is this life like? It's good, isn't it? God is good. It's beautiful. It's, a be- it's restorative. It's healing. If this is true, it's a life that is powerful. It's a life that overcomes evil and darkness. That's what we're talking about. It's a life that gives strength to endure the challenging times that we all find ourselves in different ways. It's It's a life which gives us courage to face our fears. It's a life that gives us hope. It's a life that redefines who we are. It's the abundant life which Jesus spoke about. So how do, we, how do we apply this to our lives? We all want to come and we need to ask the so what. How do we apply this? Well, let me give a bit of context. Most of us, as I said, we've lived in this weird COVID world. And the, the, the World Health Organization, they, there's a new psychological term coming out of that. And it talks about, it's called an overwhelming flatness. There's an overwhelming flatness in our society. And and the research suggests that we're all affected by this overwhelming flatness. I've felt it. It's not in so much as depression, but it's more just a a struggle and everything is just a little bit harder to do. I've felt it. Has anyone else sensed a flatness in their lives, in their families? I've seen a few hands. In their workplaces, I'm seeing a few nods. Yeah, this is like... It's in the background, right? And it's interesting, new research says that this flatness is turning into grief. There's a grief. It's a grief of, of with grief comes loss. It's like a loss of the life that we once had. It's a, it's a loss of, of the way we used to live our life. And we've been affected by it. Everyone has been affected by it. And we pray that we would get back to some sort of normal. It's, lo- it's looking like we're headed in that direction. But it's easy to become complacent. It's easy to become despondent, not to treasure God and see him as precious and to honor him with our lives. It's easier when we're feeling flat and, and a bit of grief to just withdraw and just sort of sit back on the couch and watch Netflix. If we're feeling this way, and look, Peter gives us a simple application. Probably one of the greatest applications, but it's simple. He says, come to Jesus. He says, come to the living stone and receive his life. If you felt flat or you felt darkness in your soul or in your mind, Peter says, come to Jesus. Really simple. And receive his life. Become a living stone. If you feel grieved in the way life has changed, come to Jesus. Maybe you're afraid of the future. 
And when we're afraid of the future, often we try and control and manipulate circumstances. And, and we lack trust in God's care of our lives and of the world. And I can tell you, living that way, because I often live that way, is, it's exhausting. That, that puts a weight on us. Peter says, come to Jesus, come to the living stone, who is the king. His kingdom rules over all the nations and empires and governments. We can trust him with all our circumstances. We can trust him with our future. So come to him and receive his life. And his life gives us peace. Come to this chief cornerstone. Make him the foundation of your life and let him direct the, the way you walk and the decisions you make. Maybe this flatness, maybe this grief, this has affected your relationships. Families have been affected. Your marriages, with your children. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and receive the life that he gives so that we can love one another well again. So there can be a restoration in those relationships. Peter also tells us in this passage that there are people in the world who do not honor Jesus. He says they don't see him as precious. They, they fail to notice him as the firm foundation and they reject him. And the sad thing is that this, this stone that gives life is the same stone which can become the very thing that trips them up and causes them to stumble. Can you think of people in your life like that? That you know? What does it mean to stumble and fall? Well, if we think coming to Jesus, coming to the stone means eternal life. Well, let's think of what the opposite means. If you reject the one who gives eternal life, that means we reject life from God. We're separ- There's a separation from God. The Bible talks about this as spiritual. It's a spiritual death. We're separated from the life of God. Now, it's, it's easy to apply these... Sorry. So, again, Peter, why, does, why do people stumble? Well, they stumble because they're disobedient. There's a, Peter says they stumble being disobedient to the Word of God. So, maybe... There are some people here today. Maybe you're stumbling. Maybe there's a disobedience to God in your life. Maybe you've sensed God calling you to change something in your life, to repent of some secret sin, to give up something, to forgive somebody. I encourage you today, don't let that rejection cause you to fall and stumble. Again, the same application applies. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and receive mercy. Come to Jesus and receive forgiveness and receive his life. His arms are wide open to repentant sinners. And it brings great joy in heaven when they come. So come to Jesus. That's our first application. Now, and it's easy to apply this building metaphor individually. We, we need to be applying it individually because God loves to build into the lives of people. 
That's what he's about. But so that we can withstand and that we can, that we can flourish in the world. But that's only half the picture that Peter gives us today. We also need to zoom out. We need to see what God is doing on a grand scale. There's a grand scale. Now, I've got some illustrations, but I'm not sure anyone's down there to give them for us. Okay, who's seen these ads? This is the Victorian big build. I love these ads. This is, what, this is Victoria's massive infrastructure project at the moment. They're spending billions in, in Melbourne of getting everything right, knocking down train stations and building tunnels. Now, if you're driving through Melbourne, you probably don't love it that much because it's, ca- it's causing a lot of traffic grief at the moment. Victoria's big build. Well, Peter tells us today that God's got a big build. He's got a big building project. It's not physical in the sense he's not building with, with literal bricks and mortar. It's spiritual. His building is with people. Look around you. Look around you. This is God's big building project. He builds with people. He's a master builder. And we are all together. We're all being built into what Peter calls a spiritual house. And God's house, this spiritual house, it won't be shaken. There's no shaking God's big build. God takes dead stones, that's us, and he gives us life. And he fits us in to his big build, his glorious structure that he's making. And each time someone comes to Christ as Savior, a stone is placed into that living building, the church. And this analogy of a spiritual house, Peter's got in mind, he's got in mind the temple in Jerusalem. Okay, so that would have been very familiar to Peter and to those he would have been writing to. And in the temple in Jerusalem, right, what happens? Well, it's a place of worship and there are priests. And the priests regularly offer all sorts of sacrifices. They kill bulls and goats and they offer burnt offerings to God on behalf of the people. So Peter says that that God's building this spiritual house or a temple. But he says this. He said, now you're the priest. I'm the priest. We're all the priests. We, we have, we're royal priests and we're holy priests. We no longer need to go to the temple. We no longer need a priest to offer sacrifices of bulls and goats and bloods and all that type of thing on our behalf to atone for our sin. We are the priests. So now we have, no, we have access to God like an Old Testament priest did. There's no barrier there. But with that goes responsibility. He says that you are holy priests. That's, that's a big responsibility, to live a holy life. Okay, Priests had an elevated level of accountability and responsibility. He says it's our role now as a holy and royal priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices, not physical ones. But now he offers spiritual sacrifices to God that will be acceptable to God in God's spiritual house. Let me be clear. We don't offer sacrifices to atone for our sin, 
to make our way to heaven. Jesus has already done that. We offer offer these spiritual sacrifices because God has already made us living stones, because he has already made us priests. So what are these sacrifices? What's he talking about? Can you think of any? Well, you are the sacrifice. Paul says this. He says, he tells us to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That means every aspect of our life. God, here's my hands, here's my mouth, here's my feet, they're yours. I, I, I place them on the altar. I sacrifice them for your, for your purposes. Now that's really difficult. It's a difficult thing to do, right? I mean, if you're, if you, I think it's easier to be a dead sacrifice, right? If you're a dead sacrifice, you don't think, you don't move, you can't think, you don't have desires, yet we're alive. We have all sorts of stuff going on, pulling us in all sorts of different directions. We're a mixed bag. We're fickle. Have you ever found yourself, I have, on the altar saying, God, I, I give you my hands and my feet, my, my mouth, and I place myself on the altar, and then the next minute, the next hour, the next day, I'm off the altar, I'm off doing something else. And we take ourselves off the altar. Living sacrifice is living a life on the altar. It's coming back to God and saying, here, I, I put myself back on the altar. I get off again, but I'm going to put myself back on the altar every day, offering our lives to God. You are the living sacrifice. So what does that look like? Well, as priests, we can uh, sacrifice with our mouths. We can praise God. The book of Hebrews says this, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that acknowledge or confess his name. Often we don't feel like praising God when we're feeling flat, when we're feeling annoyed or angry or, or just flat or just down. But it's in those moments that's when it becomes a sacrifice. That's when it's, we, we go back on the altar, we praise God. Why should we praise God? Well, Peter tells us. He goes on to say, he, he, he goes on to tell us again who we are. Why do we praise God? Because what God's done and who we actually are. He says, you were once in darkness, but now you've been put into God's wonderful light. That's a reason to praise God. He says, you are God's special possession. That's a reason to praise God. He says, now you've received mercy. You're God's people. And Peter says, yep, we need to praise God in our own time. But he also says that we need to declare that praise. We need to declare that with our mouths to others. Be ready and able and willing and looking for opportunities to make that sacrifice of praise of of who God is and what he's done and who we are to others. That's a sacrifice. It's difficult. But that's what he's calling us to do as priests. In God's spiritual house. 
As priests, we offer, offer up sacrifices with our mouths, but we also offer, offer sacrifices of good works. Again, in Hebrews, he says, Do not forget to do good and share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Doing good. Doing good in the community. Opening our house up to others who are, more, who don't have, who are in need. Sharing our, our stuff. Doing good. Serving the cause of justice and righteousness in the world. That's a sacrifice as well. Another way we can sacrifice is giving of our finances or giving of our resources. Paul, when he was in jail, he was writing to the Philippians. They'd sent him all this stuff. They sent him money. They sent him gifts. And he says this, this is an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. The giving of our finances and of our resources to the work of God's kingdom. That's a sacrifice. So as priests in God's house, and I'll invite the musicians up now. As priests in God's house, we offer up sacrifices of praise with our mouths, doing good, good deeds, sharing our lives, and with our stuff, with our resources and our finances. So as I wrap up and conclude, I started off today by talking about earthquakes and how that we've all been shaken up. There's been a shaking up in recent times, and we're, we're all affected in some way by flatness and, and grief, uncertainty. But this picture of who God is, I hope, will encourage us, of who God is, that he is the king who rules over all. He's the eternal sovereign kingdom of God, and so we can trust him. He's the strong foundation to build our lives on the cornerstone which we measure our lives upon. He's precious to God and he's worthy of honor. He offers us eternal life, but he offers us this life in the present. He offers us an infusion of this divine life, which is good and powerful. That's the abundant life that Jesus talks about. So if you get one thing out of today's sermon... The application is come to Jesus. Come to him, the living stone. Be vulnerable. Be courageous. And come to him. And there'll be people over to the side if you'd like to pray with them at the end. Or myself, if you'd like to speak with me, or one of the other pastors here today. What's God doing? Well, he is the master builder. He's building a spiritual house. And this house is eternal. Look around us. Look, take a look around. The people that you see here, we're going to be worshipping with, with God, with, with one another in heaven forever. It's an eternal house. Who are we? We are living stones, and we're all being built together. We're a community. God's, this is God's big build. We are a spiritual priesthood. And we have access to God. So let's, let's all make those sacrifices that I was talking about. Let's live our lives accordingly. In our, with our words, with our deeds, and with our stuff that we have. 
and we're going to do that right now. We're going to give up a sacrifice of praise to God. So I invite you all to stand as the band leads us in praising our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.